Hi, welcome to another Destination Think Transit. Now, my usual co-host, Randy Reshef, is busy doing Think Transit things, so she can't be with me today. But uh, I have the great privilege of talking to Dr. Karen Philbrick. Now, she's been called the woman who moves the nation by Compto, one of the 100 most influential women in Silicon Valley, and she is the executive director of the Mineta Transportation Institute at San Jose State University. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, it's, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Now, you're giving the opening keynote at Think Transit this year, and, and you're part of a really exciting panel of industry experts talking about the future of transit. So, but before we get into the, the nitty gritty, can you tell us about yourself and the Mineta Institute for the people who may not be aware of it? Absolutely. So I'm actually a psychologist by training with a double master's PhD in various disciplines. And through serendipity, I got into transportation and I fell into it and I fell in love and I've spent my whole career in this industry, first as an active researcher looking at sleep-weight patterns in a 24-7 environment, particularly the freight industry, and also looking at responses to grade-crossing accidents and trespasser incidents, and what sorts of coping strategies and social support guard against the development of PTSD symptoms. Now I'm more of a leader. I oversee a portfolio of roughly 126 research projects. We are a university transportation center I lead three competitively selected multi-university consortia. All of our work focuses on improving the mobility of people and goods, and we accomplish this through surface transportation research, education, workforce development, and technology transfer. So we do a little of everything. I remember your Transit Unplugged interview very well. And in fact, our theme this year is bridging the gap. And you had a fabulous quote when you were talking to Paul that I think matches it. So let's just listen to that. And then I've got a question for you. If you look at some of the research finding, say, for example, of veterans returning from combat or from being overseas, what you see is they reintegrate into society better, more meaningfully, in a more healthful way if they're located in close proximity to transit. Why? Because they can reach their doctor's appointments they can reach those social engagements that are meaningful. In public transit, we're giving people that vehicle to reach these experiences that make everybody's lives more meaningful. Okay, you said in that, that clip that transit is essential for people to lead meaningful lives. What do you think keeps us from fulfilling that promise? Of seamless transit or integration? All the things. What keeps us from doing that? I think that in some cases, systems like here in San Jose, there's not a good first last mile connection. And that kind of keeps people off the system. What we know from scientific research is that people are really not willing to walk more than a quarter of a mile or so. And if they get into their car to reach that light rail subway or bus, they're likely just to continue on to their final destination. I think also fare integration, particularly in the Bay Area with 27 different transit agencies, is quite difficult. And some people feel intimidated about understanding the system, understanding payment. And of course, we need to make sure transit is taking people where they want to go. If it just drops you off in the middle of a downtown business core without misuse design, that might not be where you want to be. Particularly, we've seen, and I'm sure you know this, Tris, travel patterns have 
changed dramatically since the end of the pandemic, where before we used to see bimodal distributions with peak traffic in the morning hours and at the evening commute. Now we're just seeing traffic widespread throughout the day because people are using transit, cars, all forms of transportation in a very different way, particularly in communities where you have a high proportion of white collar workers, such as the tech industry, who don't need to be on the front lines or actually report into an office to do their job. Yeah, it's been a huge change. Yes. What do you think it's going to take to get there? I mean, how do you think we're going to get to bridge this gap to fix all those things? What, what do you think we need to do? I think we actually need to tell a better story about the benefits of transit. I think that there is a misconception that only people who can't afford a car take transit, particularly if you're outside of Washington, D.C. or New York City. Obviously, that's a very different mentality in those spaces. So I think we need people to see people who look like them using the system. I think we need to make the system safer. One of the biggest gaps we're trying to bridge right now is transit assault, and that could be on a passenger or on the operator. And so really making sure that people feel comfortable, particularly women who've expressed more concern about assaults on the system. They do a lot of trip chaining, so they might have kids and strollers and grocery bags and things that a typical commuter does not have. How do we make that more friendly, more accessible, and more usable for the general population? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you are giving the keynote at Think Transit, kicking off day one. Woo-hoo! I don't, and I don't want you to give away any spoilers, but what are you going to hit on? What's going to be the, the things that you're going to talk about in your keynote? Well, it's a pretty broad keynote because I think we have so many pressing issues, but a few of the highlights will be transit assault, cybersecurity concerns, the future of transportation, most certainly workforce development, changing travel patterns, and finally, I would really like to discuss self-care. And let me tell you a little bit more about that. As leaders and managers, coworkers, and people, we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of and help others. And you might recall that the industry was rocked last January when Jeff Parker, the CEO of MARTA, committed suicide. And he did that with one of his own trains. And I think it, it highlighted how people can be silently suffering, particularly in transportation, which might have more of a machismo attitude and culture, certainly in the freight industry where it's 99% male, but people don't feel safe. They don't feel like they can be transparent with how they're feeling. And that leads to feelings of isolation and God forbid, at the very worst time, suicide. And that's, that needs to be part of the conversation. We need to be able to feel comfortable talking about difficult things and providing that safe space and that social support, which time and time again has shown to be imperative for dealing with trauma and other hard circumstances. Oh, yeah. I mean, this week's Transit Unplugged actually has a whole leadership segment on emotional intelligence. Do your people feel like your door is actually open? Can they really express themselves? Can they bring their whole self to work? And that's okay, because we do need that. We do need to feel heard. We do need to feel heard. And, I, and that also makes me think of work-life balance. I know you have a brownie. I have a little Girl Scout. And making sure you protect time because we're always connected now, right? It's either our phones or some other source of technology and making sure you step away from those things. And that not only for your family, but for your colleagues, 
that you give them the respect of eye contact, that you listen with intention, you communicate with meaning, and you make people understand that you're hearing them. Too often, people are waiting for someone's lips to stop moving so they can say what they've been rehearsing in their head instead of actually really focusing on the conversation at hand. Listening is critical to every success. Oh, absolutely. Now, you touched on workforce development, and that's, that's actually an area that I've been writing a lot about recently. And in your bio, you talked about promoting more equity in transit, especially bringing up the women, more women into the transit agency and as leaders. Now, we have a lot more women as CEOs heading transit agencies now than we did even just a few years ago. But what are we doing to fill in the backfill for that? I mean, how are we encouraging the next generation of women to become leaders in transit? What are we doing for that? That is, that is the big question in transportation. We are competing for a talented transportation pipeline. People oftentimes can't name a position in transportation beyond bus driver, train operator, or airline pilot. And as I started talking with you today, I said, I'm a psychologist by training, but I'm in transportation. There is a place for everybody. So allowing people to see that if they want graphic design or journalism or psychology, that there is a place in transportation. It's not just reserved for your engineers and your planners. So social modeling is important to help people see, again, what is possible. You can't see it. You can't be it. But we're also too late if we're already talking to people when they're out of college or maybe already in their career. The conversation has to start in the K through 12 sector. You need to be in the elementary schools teaching curriculum that, of course, is aligned with the core elements of whatever system you go to. Talking about sustainability, talking about the impact of transportation, greenhouse emissions on our environment, helping them feel, understand, and be connected to the industry. Project-based learning, giving them the opportunity to manipulate time and space with their hands, taking them on field trips. These are all very, very powerful things to do to recruit the next generation. So for example, we have developed and delivered curriculum in the elementary school, age appropriate for first to sixth grade, with the tasks changing a little bit as, as kids get older. We also have a Garrett Morgan Sustainable Transportation Competition for middle school students. And that's where they have a mentor and they work on projects over the course of two months. And then they present that to a panel of judges. Typically, every year we have this sitting U.S. Secretary of Transportation participate in that event. And then finally, for high school students, we have a Summer Transportation Institute. What we know from that, Tris, is that we have a 100% satisfaction rate and evidence that about 67% of the kids who go through that program enter careers in transportation. So there are things we can do, but we need to be telling the story better. That's the second time I've mentioned that. And I think that we are suffering from misperception in this case as well. People need to understand that there's good paying, benefited, family supporting jobs in our industry and wide open, welcoming arms for everybody to join. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I work in just the software side of the transit agency and I have to say personally, this is the most fulfilled in the job I've been in a very long time because I know what I do at work every day helps the world. I mean, a bus literally drives by my window every day. A bus, a bus operator lives three doors down from me. I talk to him almost every day. And that connection is so 
fulfilling, I think so powerful. I really, and yes, the, there is a place for everyone in transit is a message that is not, not told enough. Now, and we like to do a little fun here on Destination Think Transit. So I have a trivia question for you related to Nashville before I get to my last question. Oh. Now, are you a coffee drinker? One cup a day. One cup a day. Okay, well, that counts. So, you know, Maxwell House Coffee, their slogan has always been good to the last drop. Turns out they a marketing person didn't come up with it. A very famous person said this at the hotel. Who was it? Was it Calvin Coolidge, Elvis, Teddy Roosevelt, or Harry Truman? I like to get A's, and I don't think I'm going to get this right. <laughs> um, Truman. Close. It was actually Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, my gosh. So it has been, that slogan has been around for well over 100 years. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you for that. And well, you're welcome. I love trivia as, as any, anyone who, who has met me know, I love, I love trivia. Now, my last question has to do with this panel that you're doing at the executive summit, which if people go to the executive summit, I think is going to be mind blowing. And you're on this panel with Billy Terry of the National Transit Institute, Art Gazzetti of APTA, John Rassant of CoMotion on the future of transit. What, what does that mean for you? What? does the future of public transit look like and mean to you? I think we have to adapt to the changing mobility patterns. But in my ideal utopian world, it would be seamless transportation where we can walk out our door, walk a quarter of a mile to reach a system, get on that system safely, understand the cost. And I think, by the way, fare capping is very important. And there's a space for people motivated to get on the system. And to be able to go where you need to go, pick up the dry cleaning, take the children to daycare, get to your places of employment. What I said earlier, I deeply, deeply believe, which is access to mobility is access to opportunity. And in the absence of that, we can't lead full, rich and meaningful lives. Oh, that is, that is a, that's a great last word. I mean, that, that is truly, truly it. Karen, thank you so much for this. I'm really looking forward to your keynote. I will see you in Nashville bright and early on Monday morning to kick off Think Transit. So this has been Tris Hussey without Randy Reshef for the last Destination Think Transit of season two. 